Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Do you spend most of your time worrying about being left, rejected, or given up on? Are you worried that people in your life are always going to leave? The fear of abandonment is extremely common in those of us who've been abused, and I want to share with you how you can let go of your fears and finally have the relationships you want. Head on over to rachelgrantcoaching.com abandonment and download my free audio guidebook that's going to help you learn how to overcome your fear of abandonment. Now, on to our show. Welcome to Beyond Surviving, the safe space for survivors of childhood sexual abuse to receive support, resources, and share their stories. Beyond Surviving is about freedom, healing, connection, and even laughter and fun. Most importantly, it's about letting go of the pain of abuse and finally moving on. I'm Rachel Grant, and for those of you who don't yet know me, I've been a sexual abuse recovery coach since 2007 and am the author of Beyond Surviving, the final stage of recovery from sexual abuse. I work with survivors who are sick and tired of feeling broken and unfixable, and I help them break free from the pain of abuse and move on with their lives. You can learn more about me and the Beyond Surviving program at www.rachelgrantcoaching.com. So now I have to tell you, I'm super excited to have here with me my guest today, Jawanda Parker, who is going to be sharing with us about her book, It Only Hurts When I Can't Run. Jawanda was abandoned, neglected, and beaten by a mother who really did care about her, but suffered from her own demons and addictions. 
She was left with friends and relatives, as well as placed in foster homes, molested, raped on more than one occasion, including by men considered upright. So she's this little girl, you know, who grew up to eventually become an educator, a minister, an entrepreneur. She learned to survive by running away again and again. So this is both a heartbreaking and a heartwarming story told with courageous frankness and really reveals a deep trust in God that in the long run promoted an unbelievable resilience, really allowing Joanda to go from a young girl to a young woman and to forgive those who hurt her and to reach out to those who hurt with a message of healing and hope. So I'm very excited um, to share her story today, um, in particular because not only is she a powerful woman and survivor and has gone through all these things and found her way to the other side, but she is taking all of that and doing beautiful work with it. She is the founder and CEO of Hope and Healing Corporation, a 501c3 organization that serves the community and marginalized society through humanitarian efforts. She really has been inspired by her own childhood struggles and has written this, you know, part one, volume one of her autobiography, It Only Hurts When I Can't Run. And it really is about all of those experiences she encountered in her childhood and the start of her healing. So now she's in the process of completing other self-help books that speak to the nature of women's issues, hope, healing, protecting our young, and emotional wholeness. She holds a Master's of Divinity from Asbury, did I say that? Asbury Theological Seminary and currently pastors two congregations. So, my goodness. <laughs> On top of all of that, she is a mother and a and just a newborn baby girl, Adira, and a wife of Dr. Elvin J. Parker III. So, she has got a lot going on and plenty to share with us. So, Jawanda, thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much, Rachel, for having me. Yeah. So, you know, anytime, you know, I talk to survivors who have decided to write their story and to, um, you know, kind of put it out there into the marketplace and into the hands of the public, you know, that in and of itself is a huge decision and, you know, brings with it its own kind of uh, landmines and questions and things that we have to kind of go through. So I guess the first thing I'd love to, to know about is just what really inspired you to take that step to go, um, you know, from this being your story that maybe you share in certain spaces to being a story that you want to share more broadly? I think the main reason why I felt like I needed to share, not necessarily wanted to share, because, of course, my story is filled with a lot of pain and extremely a lot of shame. And I I struggled for years. What do I say? How do I say it? In what context do I say it in? And um had basically just kind of said I was not going to share. But for... Uh, at the time that I completed the book, I was in my 22nd year of public education as a school teacher. And what I noticed with the young girls throughout my entire time 
is I would see little indicators that these girls had been abused and neglected in some way. In my position as a school teacher, it was not something that I could share. I just became this this um, mother goose, so to speak, or just hovering over these kids and trying to make their life away from home as best as I could and love on them in a way that they they would feel the love and understand that somebody actually did care about them, but they didn't know the premise of where I was coming from. And so that was one part of it, that I needed to write something in a way that would um, put some information into young girls' hands. And then eventually I found out that there were just as many boys as girls who had been sexually abused and um, neglected and abandoned and, and different things. But I wanted them to have something that they could take with them. Nice. Coupled, coupled with um, ministry, seeing ladies my age, older, some and some younger, struggling with the areas that I struggled with, the rejection part of it, the um, insecurity, a huge amount of insecurity, the um, authority, being afraid of authority, um, just not being able to step out on what I wanted to do. It was like this little person in me screaming, trying to get out, but was just paralyzed and bound by everything that I had discovered. And so as I would begin to work with some of the ladies, I would see, you know, she kind of looks a little like me. I wonder if her story is like mine. And Uh true to fact, um, I began to share a little bit Bible studies and mentoring people, and sometimes I would just share bits and pieces of my story and found out that there were a lot of ladies like me, so many who hid behind the shame of it or their position, um, particularly leaders. Oh, my gosh, there have been so many leaders since I've written this book who have incognito reached out to me to say, you know, Jawanda, I experienced this. This is my story. This is my life. Um, A 70, I think she was 73 or 76-year-old um, lady shared with me her story that she'd never shared with anyone, and she'd been married for 55 years or 52 years. Yeah. Just because she was able to hear my story. So long and short of it, I knew at that point that um, I had to get beyond myself and pretty much risk whatever little reputation I thought I had so that I could reach others and the um the masses and yeah. because God had done it for me, I just knew that God could do it for someone else and so basically that's it. I just felt the need to go ahead and, and come public with a lot of it. Thanks for that. And yeah, you know, there's this interesting place that we get in when I think you know, we start to we get out of that cycle of like this is just my pain and just my hurt and I'm the only one who's ever gone through this. And mm-hmm. when we start to really reach out and connect with other people, it, it it's heartbreaking on one hand mm-hmm. that we do find so many people who have been there and gone through it as well. 
But there's something so powerful when we start to tell our story and, and know how to do that in a really healthy way, in a really grounded way. But yeah. the, what it really kind of opens up for other people, just like you're noticing, you know, people start to come forward and say, you know, this is my experience too, and thank you for creating the space for me to talk about this um, finally, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's it. That's what I found and that's what I continue to run across um, where people will say to me, thank you, but don't say anything, or thank you and help me to tell my story or where can I go and what can I do um, so that I can get at a, a better place or a place of peace so I'll be able to reach out myself to help those yeah. um, who struggling as as pretty much as I did and as they still are. So, yes, it's a much larger issue than what um, many people realize or even what many people want to face and say, yes, this right. is actually an issue. Right. So I'm curious, and, you know, in your conversations with other survivors, what are some of those things that you started to see that you had in common with them? Um, rejection. One of the main things that I have seen is that whole area of rejection, the fear of rejection, the fear of failure, the fear of um, just identity. Mm. I think once your innocence has been stolen and you hide for so long, it's difficult to expose who you are. And once you begin to expose it, it's like, well, do I really know who I am? Mm-hmm. And so I have found that there are several um, of those that have reached out to me that we live in layers. We live in different um, spaces, and we put on different faces so that we can survive. I remember that's why my book is called It Only Hurts When I Can't Run. I ran from everything. I ran from close relationships. I ran from friendships. I ran from um, dreams that I wanted to accomplish. I would dummy myself down because I didn't want others to know um, in some ways how smart I was or my talents or my gifts, or I would um, boost someone else up above me because I didn't feel like I was worthy of anything pretty much. And so I have found that a lot of the survivors are just basically doing that. They're surviving, and they're surviving with the mechanisms right. and the um, the tools that they have used to get them to the place where they are. In reading the book and exposing it, that's why it's volume one and volume two, Volume 1 exposes a lot of the different situations that happen. Volume 2 takes us through to the transformation part of how you can go from one place to the next place and not be a victim but rise above it and have more right. freedom. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I found that a lot of people are still struggling. And, and to be very candid, there are areas in my life that I still struggle and have those triggers that could set me off easily. But because I have some tools, 
of understanding um, what I'm feeling or what is creating those anxieties or the feelings that I, I may be experiencing, I can go back and pick up my tools and um, work with it a little bit better so that I'm not handicapped by it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that because, well, first of all, you know, just what you identified there as some of the things that survivors struggle with, I think, boy, yeah, you hit the nail on the head there. And it is so common that we have this sense of, you know, not being good enough, not being worthy, et cetera. And so whenever opportunities kind of present themselves, we almost can't believe it. And we <laughs> and even if we, like start to engage with it, there's a part of us that then says, Well, this isn't gonna work anyway and I'm just gonna run away and I I gotta get out yes. of here. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Either either get out or sabotage it. That's right. That's right. Make yes. sure that it falls apart. <laughs> exactly. So yes. and I I've seen that. Yeah, and then there's, you know, I love this, you know, what you're, you know, kind of the trajectory of the story that you're wanting to tell, and, you know, it's so true. I think for me, one thing that I've noticed um, as I've been going through this journey myself and working with clients is that um, we can get to a point where we don't get triggered as often, you know, so it's not like every single day, and then the most important part is exactly what you said, in those moments where something catches you, um, something nudges you back into, you know, an old pattern of thought or response that you do have a really strong toolkit that helps you get out of it sooner rather than later. I'm mm-hmm. curious, you know, I love this image of like, if I can't, like you just running, like I just picture you with like your serious running <laughs> shoes on. So mm-hmm. uh, you know, how is it that you finally were able to, you know, kick off the running shoes and find ways to be planted. You know, what have you learned that might help some of our listeners who are struggling in this same way? Um, I think uh, when you run, of course, you know, it comes a point where you get tired. (laughs) And I think I was just totally exhausted, extremely exhausted. And so uh, one of the first things that I had to do was just basically come clean, Um, stop hiding, became very vulnerable in safe places. Safe places would be counseling. I'm a big advocate of counseling. Um, and, and I mean, searching out till you find the right counselor so that you can expose the true self and begin to work on the true self. So that was what my first step is getting a counselor. And once I got a counselor that I could um, begin to expose myself to, then we began to work on some of those things. Um, The second thing for me is finding what brought me peace. And I literally would um, begin to kind of pinpoint if I was with a certain person once I left, I would kind of sit with myself a little bit. Was that a good connection or was that a bad connection? What am I feeling? Is this something that, um, is this relationship a healthy relationship for me? Not necessarily for them, but for me. Am I built up or do I feel put down? Just different things like that. I begin to examine my behaviors and my patterns and my relationships. And then the next thing I did was after I began to center in on my peace, 
was to explore who I was and to find out my my true identity. So I began mm-hmm. to kind of go deeper within myself. I realized that um, I, I love books, but I don't necessarily always like to read the book <laughs> from beginning to end, so I'll read parts of it. But I like audio books. And so I didn't have to um, say that I was an avid reader mm-hmm. just to impress someone. Mm-hmm. I like books. <laughs> and I like books on my terms. And it's okay that this is how I like to get my information. Because I once I began to go inward, I call it my um, journey inward. I began blogging at one point, and it was the journey inward. When I went in to who I was authentically, I showed up. And when I showed up, then that helped me to release a lot of the mask that I was wearing. And as I released the mask, then I would sit with peace. And I'm I'm an extroverted person um, because of everything that I have to do. But primarily, I would say I'm very introverted. I can be just as calm and happy in the house all day, all night for weeks, for a book <laughs> or a movie or um, whatever, just sitting in silence. And so I had to be okay with that, that that was authentically who I was. And I didn't have to impress anyone. I didn't even have to justify it. If I didn't want to talk to someone, I didn't have to push and be a people pleaser. I could simply say, now is not the time for me to have this conversation. Instead of me shaking in my boots that they were going to reject me and they weren't going to like me, they wouldn't know who I was, um, or they wouldn't embrace me, I had to begin to face some of that and my truth and live in the reality of my truth. And then for me, faith is a big thing. And so um, I, I did a lot and still do a lot of meditating on scriptures from the Bible, I begin to take particular scriptures and just read it, put myself in it. I remember when I was working on my thinking process, there's a scripture that says, um, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things of good report, think on these things. I would literally have to do that mm-hmm. so that my de- my negative default thinking wouldn't take me to a low place. And so I would stop and say, whatsoever things are good. And I would begin to just say it out. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. The weather is good. Today is a good day. You know, I'm not sobbing all day. Whatsoever things are true. Well, God loves me. That's true. I'm going to have to believe it. So God loves me. It's true. And so, I mean, (laughs) literally, line upon line, Yeah. to go through that initially. Yeah. And the more I did it, the easier it became until I began to reshape who I was on the inside mm-hmm. and then to expose who I am um, on the outside. Yeah. So those those are some of my steps. Um, you did mention uh, in the introduction writing of the self-help books. I'm in the process of even putting that to pen. So <laughs> those steps will be highlighted as a as a guide for people to be able to share how how they can um, go from a dysfunctional state to a functional state. Fantastic! I love that. That's super exciting. And yeah, yeah 
you know, the, there's so many, so much of what you're sharing there that just gets me really excited because the first thing that you mentioned there was reconnecting to your real self. And I know for a lot of survivors that can feel daunting in the beginning because there's a real disconnection from that and almost a fear like there isn't anything there other than all of those negative beliefs or all of the pain. And if I go searching around in there, what if I discover that all that I really am is all those things that I was told, you know, or came to believe because mm-hmm. of the abuse. But certainly, this I love what, you know, you sharing your story because it's like every person I work with, what we really discover is who we really are and that all of that other stuff is just, you know, static. And yes. As we strip that away and get out of that those patterns, we do come more and more into who we really want to be and who we really are. And just as you were saying, from there, you then get to make all sorts of new decisions like, you know, I'm going to set a boundary here or I'm going to take my time or I'm going to just do things that I like and stop pleasing everybody. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's really, really good. And it's really beautiful how you used the verses from the Bible to kind of bolster your practice. You know, a lot of the exercises I do with my clients are very much in the same vein. Like you have these negative patterns of thought that we have to start challenging and changing. So it really does become an exercise where you have to, you know, make sure that you're shifting that focus away from all the negative, negative, negative that you're so used to to looking for, you know, the positives, looking for what's working, looking for what's good. Because it is there, it's just we be almost like have this tunnel vision that prevents us mm-hmm. from seeing it when we're really in our pain. Yes. And I know one of the things that, you know, is really important to you is, you know, this sense of hope. Because in order to start even giving that a shot <laughs> and, like, trying to <laughs> We have to have some mm-hmm. hope that, you know, mm-hmm. we're going to be able to get there. And I'd love to hear how hope, you know, has played a role in your own journey and why you feel it's such an important part of the process. Um, in my book, you will find a lot about my mother's story. My mother had a had an addiction with um, first, pharmaceutical drugs, and then with the pain, it ended up being illegal drugs. And uh, I would share with my mom when I was in college that she was my first survivor, but also my first hero. And she never believed it. She she never, I don't think she ever really kind of took it to heart until later on in life when I would begin to... um share different things that I saw that she did. For instance, um, whenever she relapsed, she would always say, but I'm going to come back up. I mean, it was it was like she hmm. never, ever gave up hope, never. And even to the last visit I, I had with her before she died, um, I'd written a devotional, and she said to me, um, she said, you know, I'm in this place, and I believe this is going to be my turnaround. At that point, I did not know that that would be the last time I would see my mom alive. But I left um, the the facility that she was in 
with with hope that she was going to get out. It was going to be a great, I mean, life was going to go on and she was going to rise back up to the top. But I found that throughout my entire life, even when I was in foster care, I would look at her life from a distance and think one day she's going to be sober. One day I'm going to have a mom and my mom is going to love me and I'm going to love her. One day we'll go to shopping together. One day I'll be Mm -hmm. out of this situation. One day I'll be strong and confident. I mean, all of this. Yeah. And it was that, that hope that kept me going in the midst of all of my pain. It didn't matter how wounded I was, how hurt I was, how lonely. There were so many lonely days, how infantile I felt in so many situations. There was always a glimmer of hope. And that hope was really like my lifeline. When everything was so bleak around me, it was nothing else but hope that kept me going to say, it's going to get better, it's going to get better. And what I began to see is as long as I had hope, it gave me enough strength to keep going. And as long as I kept going just one more step or one more day or we're pushing past one more insecurity or one more fear, then I would get to a different place which would offer me a level of of success or a level of healing. And so it was kind of like a, a circular type thing. It, the hope pushed me to, to move and the action mm-hmm. gave me healing, and the healing gave me more hope that I could get better. <laughs> and then it just kind of kept going round and round. And nice. I would look back and say, wow, I've come this far, so we'll keep going in this circle. And that's how it, it all pretty much has come about. Oh, so, wow. um, my whole concept in life is hope and healing, healing and hope, and it's it's just interchanged because it just takes you around and around. There's nothing too hard that God cannot help you overcome, and you cannot go so far down that you can never, ever get up. Even mm-hmm. if you just sit up, there's mm-hmm. no hope that you're going right. to go, go higher. So hope for me is is really big. And it's it's one of the things that I even keep in front of me um, constantly that, that things are going to get better. Today it may be bad, but today doesn't have to stay bad. That's right. And I can have a better a better day. Yeah. Oh, wow. Thank you so much for sharing that, Joanda. It's a really powerful perspective. And, you know, oh, the only thing I would add to that is, you know, for, for those of you who are listening today, You know, there may be a part of you that is really very aware of all the different things that maybe aren't working, the places where you're struggling, and that list might be really, really long today. And what I love about what you said, Jawanda, is it's not about let's do it all at once, but can you experience one little shift? And that one little shift gives you hope that the next little shift could come. Yeah. And um, and yeah. so the more we can kind of break down the healing process and the healing journey into very little bite-sized, you know, exactly like you said, like today maybe the best thing that you did was got up and brushed your teeth. Mm-hmm. And today, <laughs> that was a win for you. Awesome. Let that feed your hope muscle, right? Like, okay, I did something yes. today. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So, 
as we start to wrap up today, is there anything else, you know, just closing thoughts that, you know, anything final that you'd really like to share or make sure that our, our listeners hear today? Um, the only thing that I would add to this is, as I, I shared earlier, for me, faith, my faith was a, to me it was the bottom line. And I would share with any person that they have, in, in my opinion, to have a level of faith. And for me, that's God Almighty, Jesus. Um, for me, that, that's my, my, my foundation. But faith to me is, is a lot of where my healing came from. Hmm. And so that is what I would really share with the listeners that you can't do this thing on your own. Um, yeah. Get a good support system. Um, have faith and 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 really believe in your faith and cry out to, some people say, higher power, whatever you call your faith, but but have that because that, that helps. I can't, I can't express it enough. People will disappoint you. Situations may not turn out how you want them to turn out. I read the Bible for information. I read the Bible for consolation, for comfort, for for just instructions. Um, and and I have that personal relationship with God. And with my personal relationship with God, it helps me to face the world every day, despite all other things. So for me, faith is a big thing. Um, and however you find your faith, you find your faith. But I would definitely um, encourage that aspect of the healing journey. Thank you. Yeah, I always like to think of that as, uh, you know, a sense of belief in the unseen, you know. Um, yes. Uh, and whether, you know, you draw that strength from a spirituality or you draw that from something else, there, there does that, that part of you that just needs to be fed that says, look, I don't know how this is going to go sometimes. I don't have all the answers. And yet I'm going to keep believing. I'm going to keep having hope and faith that things can move. And you taking those actions and you applying those um, skills and tools, et cetera, all brings it all together. So it's so powerful. I absolutely, um, yeah, love that, what you just shared there, Joanda. So beautiful. So thank you so much for being here today and sharing about your story, your journey. And I want to tell everybody who's listening that you can contact Jawanda if you'd like to continue the conversation, if you have questions, or even just want to share with her, you know, things that you've taken away from today's conversation that has made a difference for you. You can email her at jawanda1 at aol.com. So I'll spell that out for you. It's G E. W A N is in Nancy, D is in dog, A one, which is O N E, not the number one, O N E, <laughs> at AOL.com. And you can also check out our website, Joanda.com. And most importantly, go check out her book, It Only Hurts When I Can't Run. And Joanda, where can they find your book? Um, you can find it 
on Amazon.com. You can find it in Barnes and Noble, um, Books a Million. I think Staples have it. Um, but Amazon.com is where I would suggest you can find it. Um, you can get it there quickly. Well, any of the rest of them. Right on. But, yes, that's where you can find it. Okay, great. Awesome. So thank you once again, Joanda, for, for being here today. It's been really great um, chatting thank with you. you. And thank you. you. Yeah, you're welcome. And thank <laughs> you to everybody for tuning in and joining us today. Don't forget to visit rachelgrantcoaching.com to learn more about sexual abuse recovery coaching. And definitely check out the other resources that are there as well. And please be sure to subscribe to this podcast because we have so much to share with you. And until next time, take good care of you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.